going to read more of a text than I normally do out of 1 Kings chapter 20. I'm going to read the first 34 verses there. So you can bear with me for a moment, but I feel like that it's important that we do that. 1 Kings chapter 20. Now Benadab the king of Syria gathered all of his forces together. Thirty-two kings were with him with horses and chariots and went up and besieged Samaria and made war against it. Then he sent messengers into the city to Ahab king of Israel and said to him, Thus says Abinadad, Your silver and your gold are mine, your loveliest wives and your children are mine. And the king of Israel answered and said, O my lord, O king, just as you say, and I and all I have are yours. And then the messenger came back and said, Thus speaks Benadad, uh, saying, Indeed, I have sent to you, saying, You shall de uh, deliver to me your silver, your gold, your wives, and your children. But I will send my servants to you tomorrow about this time, and they shall search your house and your houses of your servants. And it shall be that whatever is uh, pleasant in your eyes they will put in their hands and take it. And so the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Notice, please, and see how th this man seeks trouble. For he has sent me for, his, for my wives, my children, the silver, the gold, and I did not deny him. And all the elders and all of the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. Verse 9, Therefore he said to the messengers of Benadad, uh, Tell my lord the king and all you uh, sent for to your servant, for the first I will do, but the, this thing I cannot do. And the messenger departed and brought back word to him. Then Benadad uh, sent to him and said, The gods do to me and more also if dust is left in Samaria and for a handful of each of the people who follow me. And so the king of Israel answered and said, Tell me, let not the one who puts on his armor boast like the one who takes it off. And it happened when Benadad heard the message as he had and the kings were drinking at the uh, command post that he said to his servants, Get ready and and they got ready, and so they attacked the city. And suddenly the prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, uh, Have you seen all this uh, great uh, multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ahab said, By whom? And he said, Thus says the Lord, By the young leaders of the providence and then he said who will uh, set the battle in order and he answered you then he mustered uh, the young leaders of the providence and there 232 and after them they mustered all the people and the children of Israel 7,000 and so they went out at noon and meanwhile Benadad and the 32 kings helped him were, were getting drunk at the command post. And the young leaders in the providence went out first, and Benadad went out at patrol. And they told him, saying, Men are coming out of Samaria. 
And so he said, if they have come out for peace, take them alive. If they have come out for war, take them alive. And then the young leader of the providence went out to the city and the army which followed them. And each one killed his man. So the Syrians fled and Israel pursued them. And Benadad, the king of Syria, escaped on a horse with the... Uh, and then, verse 21, And then the king of Israel went out and attacked the horses and the chariots and killed the Syrians with a great slaughter. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said to him, Go strengthen yourself and take note and see what you should do. For in the spring of the year the king of Syria will come up against you. And then the servant of the king of Syria came and their gods are the gods of the hills, therefore they are stronger than we. But if we fight them against them in the plain, surely we will be stronger than they. And so do this thing, dismiss the kings each from his position and put captains over their place and they shall muster an army like the army that they have lost, horse for horse, chariot for chariot, and then will fight against them in the plain. And surely we will be stronger than they, and they listened to the voice and did so. And so it was in the spring of the year, Benadad mustered the Syrians and uh, went up against to Apek and fought against Israel. And the children of Israel were mustered and given provisions, and they went against them. And now the children of Israel encamped before them like two flock of goats. And while the Syrians filled the uh, countryside, and then the man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord God, because the Syrians have said the Lord is God of the hills and not the God of the valley. Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And the, they encamped a opposite each other for seven days and so it was that on the seventh day the battle was joined and the children of Israel killed 100,000 foot soldiers of the Syrians in one day and the rest fled to, to Apec into the city and then the wall fell on 27,000 of the men who were left and Benadad fled and went into the city into the inner chamber and then in verse 31, then the servant said to him, look, now we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Please let us put on sackcloth around our waist, ropes around our head and go into the king of Israel and perhaps he'll spare our life. And so they uh, wore their sackcloth and their ropes and they came to the king of Israel and said, your servant Benadad says, please let me live. And he said, he is still alive and he he is my brother. And now the men were watching closely and, uh, they, and any sign of mercy would come from him. And they quickly grasped at the word that he said, your brother, Benadad. And so he had gone to bring him and Benadad came to him. And uh, verse 34, so Benadad said to him, the cities which your father took, my father took from your father, I will restore and you may set up marketplaces for yourself and Damascus and your father did in Samaria. And then Benadad said, I will send you away with this treaty. And so they made a treaty with him and sent him away. 
I'm done. I want to talk to you continuing on this subject today of momentum. We talked about this last week. I want to continue on it here today. Uh, when you look on the television, it seems like that uh, most of the things that people are trying to, to sell you are things to change you. To grow hair, to lose weight, to be different than what you are. And most people get caught up in this stuff of life. They get caught up in trying to to change themselves from the outside in instead of inside out. And most of the time, it's not the tragedies of life that stop people from fulfilling their purpose and their dreams. It is the little stuff. The, it is the living room of your soul that has never cleaned out. And the minutia, the, the uh, clutter, the mess, just continues to build up and build up until we cannot get any momentum and be able to win life's battle. It does us good every once in a while to look over our life and see where we are spending our energy, which direction that our energy is going in. And when I say energy, I want to make it very clear that I'm not talking about new age. I'm not talking about your ability and your accomplishments or what you're able. I'm talking about and referring to your thought life. I'm referring to your spiritual life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Where you are thinking is where you're going. What you are consumed by is what will consume you. And so it is with your spiritual life. There are some people who manage a great deal of problems in their life all at the same time. And their problems don't ever show up by themselves. How many know that? One problem doesn't show up by itself. It always brings other problems with it. It brings friends with it. it when it, you know, the, the old saying is, is when it rains, it it just all comes in at once. It, it never comes just little by little. And, and you can deal with many issues at the same time and still be moving forward as long as your faith is in forward motion. As long as your spirit is, is clinging and connected to something that is ahead of you, you are able to continue to push through all of the, the things of life and everything that, that comes against you. But in order to do that, you have to be optimistic. You can't be pessimistic. You can't, you can't always be negative and think that positive things are going to come out of your life. As long as you are moving forward, all the rest of the things are going to come together. Other people are dealing with a little something in their life and they're going backwards. It's not because of the stuff, it's because of what their spirit is connected to. And whenever a person is dealing with depression, I promise you that it, their, their spirit, will, their soul will always be connected to something behind them, not something ahead of them. 
Why? Because it is something that has happened in our life, something that we have dealt with, something that didn't go right, circumstances or situations that we feel like a failure in, and we are connected to something in the past, and every time we dare to try to get up, it pulls us back into the hurt, the pain, the trouble, the difficulty, the day, the moment, and it connects us to that and never releases us. And so we are live a life in a spirit spirit of defeat you see they're all we're, we're defeated on the inside if you're defeated on the inside you'll never have victory on the outside because the reality of it is is the problem is not the job the problem is not the kids the what, what he, he he says to us is that it is not even the clutter but it is a that we do not have a target ahead of us we are not looking forward we are thinking behind us our spirit man does not believe for us to have a better day right but I want to remind you today that it rains on the just as well as the unjust. It doesn't matter how good or how bad things have happened in your life because you cannot escape life. Life is going to happen to everyone. Can you say amen? You see, we, we can see that relationships may change. The grades may come up. The bills get paid off. But if you don't get momentum in your spirit going in the right direction and believing God and having faith in your heart for the things of the future, then you will remain defeated. You will remain in a place that you feel trapped. But whatever has the most momentum in your life is going to determine the direction of your life the Bible tells us here in this story this lengthy text that I've read you here this morning it tells us that Benadad had besieged Samaria have you ever felt like you've been besieged I'm not talking about a bad hair day. I'm not talking about something didn't go right. I'm talking about besieged. It means to declare war on them. It means to surround them. It means to cut off, their, when you read this story, they cut off their supply line. They cut off their source of water. They cut off their food source power they could be seized and attacked on every side and everywhere you turned everything you did it seemed like a dead end it was cut off you said well I can use this resource I can use this strength this helped me before only to go to that well and that well has been cut off that resource or source has been cut off and everyone may not understand this but some of you will and that is that you feel like that 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 the dark breath of the enemy is breathing down your neck and you realize that it is not just a coincidence, huh? It wasn't a coincidence that these natural things took place that kept on adding up and adding up. It was an, a spiritual attack against you to try to get you discouraged, to get you weary in well-doing so that you would give up your faith and lose your confidence in your God. Amen. And you realize that it isn't about the bill. It's not about the clutter. It's not about the, the enemy isn't going to stop until he tries to get everything that, that you have of value. 
So now, you, 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 when you look at it, you see that this is what the king came for. He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to take everything of value from you. I'm going to take your everything that you have, your wife, your children, your gold, your silver. And, and at first, he was willing to relinquish it. It's amazing to me how easy we're willing to give up what we fought so hard for. So now we see that we're breathing. Now we're still working. Now we're still making progress. And relationships may fall apart. Circumstances may come. And you can't get any peace. You can't feel any joy. And it feels like the enemy has besieged you. And when Syria besieged Samaria, Benadad came to the, them with momentum. He had 32 kings that lined up with him. When it says 32 kings, he's not just talking about 32 men. He's talking about their armies are coming with them. So 32 armies are coming, their horses, their chariots, everything that they have in their warfare are backing them up, going against this one people. Many times the enemy catches us standing flat-footed and we get caught in the place where we're not moving forward. I told you last week that, that whenever you're moving forward, even if you're hit, it won't hurt as bad. But when you're just standing still, when you're flat-footed, anything can push you over. It can cause you to be derailed, right? It throws you into a spiritual death spiral. Have you ever done something and immediately you said to yourself, that wasn't good. I shouldn't have done that right there. I should have made a better decision. But the weight of the decision that I just made now moves and creates another and forces me to make another decision. And while I'm on my heels, if I'm not careful, I'll make a yet another bad decision that causes a crisis mode in my life. And because I'm not moving forward and now the bad decisions are adding up, it causes me to feel overwhelmed. And then these 32 kings come and rob you of everything that you've worked for. Everything that you hold dear, your family, your finances, everything that you have. And something has to happen. Something has to change the momentum. Because it's not about how many enemies there are. Are you with me? It's not about the mess. It's not about the clutter. It's about the direction you're going in. It doesn't matter if by few or by many. Come on, somebody. I thought I was in a Pentecostal church. I thought I was in a church that believed the word of the Lord. I said it's not by few or by many. It is if God be for us, it doesn't matter who is against us. We fail to remember sometimes the God that we are serving. We act like he's just another God or another man on the shelf. But the reality of it is, is it doesn't matter in the natural. It doesn't change because 32 kings have lined up against Israel. It doesn't matter how many horses and how many chariots they've got. It matters that the word of the Lord is with Israel. And I want to say to you here this 
this morning, it doesn't matter how many enemies rise up against you or the circumstances that come up in your life. You may have had bad decision after bad decision, but the Lord is still for you and his word is still working for you and it can bring you up out of a place of despair. You just hold on to the word of God and God can bring you through. Amen. Thirty-two kings, so many horses, so many chariots, but because of this one word from the Lord, momentum shifts. Amen. Just one word from God, you've heard me say it before because I believe it, just one word from God can change the trajectory of your life. It can change everything. You don't need a whole Bible. You don't even have need a whole church. Just one word from God can shift everything in your life. Amen. And that's what happened here for Israel. Whenever they began to come up against all of this, these enemies, all of these foes, it looked like they were so outnumbered. It looked like the circumstances were out of hand. It looked like the bad choices and bad decisions was going to be the death of them. But one word of God came to the king and faith rises in his heart. Amen. Amen. The king asked, who's going to go order this battle? And the Lord says, you are. Amen. There's nobody else can order the battle for you but you. There's nobody else that can stand up to the adversary. Yes, we can pray with you. Yes, we can believe God for you. It's good to have brothers and sisters that know how to pray. But there's nobody that can order the battle but you. You can order the battle for your family. You order the battle for your finances. You order the battle for the circumstances of your life. And you declare the word of the Lord over those circumstances until faith rises in your heart. To you believe the word of the Lord for yourself nothing is ever going to change but when you believe the report of the Lord when you believe the word of God when you believe the promise of God then you have to come into alignment and order yourself with the word of the Lord amen God will give you the battle but you have to order it You've got to get in alignment with God, right? I know things didn't work out the way you thought they was going to. How you thought they should. But he's God. And if you're out of alignment with him, then you're going to use all your energy trying to stay straight. How many has ever had a car out of alignment? It's easy when you got potholes like we do. I don't have nothing to do with the state road and I don't understand it, but all I want to say is, is quit worrying about putting lines on the road and fix them holes. <laughs> Glory to God. You may know what I mean. Out there running, putting lines on a road that's 100 years old, potholes everywhere. Well, glory to God. But you, you hit those holes and your car is going to get out of alignment, right? 
And when it gets out of alignment, you be, it becomes difficult for you to keep it on the straight, on the path that you want it to be on. You're always pulling you in a direction you don't want to go. Right? You're always fighting that wheel. You're, wor you're wearing out the tires. Huh? How many know tires are costly? And so it wears out and it costs you more than it should cost you to run down the road because your car is out of alignment. And sometimes in our life when we get out of alignment, it costs us more than we're willing to pay. It costs us because of the price. And when your car is out of alignment, you can't focus on where you're going for fighting to keep it in the road. Right? And so we've got to understand today that it is the, 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 the place that the enemy wants to bring us to is to get us out of alignment with God so there is a warfare and a pulling and a fighting and a struggling that should not be a struggle at all because we've sung it here this morning. He's a good father. He loves us with an everlasting love. He wants the very best for us. And so he, he has a plan. He has a will that we should never fight against even though we don't understand it we can trust him amen job in the old testament finds himself under siege and he is going in one bad message after another comes you remember the story here he is, he is doing, and he, Job, the oldest book of the Bible, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the covenants, he doesn't have the Old Testament or the New, he is serving God, and that's the reason when you read the book of Job, he, he talks all this foolishness sometimes, is because all he has is a relationship with God, and he does no direction, nothing else to go on, and, and so he just speaks from what he thinks, and not understanding, completely what it is to walk with God but Job finds himself besieged he finds himself in boils and ashes he finds himself whenever his seven sons and three daughters the fairest in the land are in his house it's struck by lightning the house burns to the ground and and he finds himself with all of his children now dead and he has all of these funerals to go to he finds himself before uh, the enemy comes and swipes out his livelihood. He is a farmer, right? He comes and takes all of his farm and his livelihood. And before he can get over that, another messenger comes and says, the enemy has done this and the enemy has done that. And it was a besiege that came against him. But it was there his wife would say, curse God and die. You've served God all of your life and now look what you have to, to, to have here to see for what you have given God all of your life you've got nothing left everything is gone just curse God Job and go ahead and die and it was in the boils and they took him taking the ashes that Job would lift his head toward the heavens and say though he slay me yet will I trust him yet I don't understand I'm going to trust him Though I don't like it at all, I'm going to trust him. 
Though everything that I know is gone, I'm going to trust him. Whenever my family is gone, when the friends are gone, whenever the, the livelihood is gone, when the, the house is gone, when everything has taken away, can you still trust God? Our culture today has made God a Santa Claus. And the reason why that a lot of folks only come to church is to try to get something from him. But it's not only in getting something from him, and when you put him first, you get everything. But the reality of it is this, it's a good pleasure for him to give gifts to his children. He, he wants to bless us, but we're not here today to try to get something from the stingy hands of a father. We are here today because his arms are wide open, his hands are extended, his love is toward us, and he wants to bless us. But in doing so, we have to reciprocate that love toward the Father. Amen? And then whenever we don't have the phone call, whenever the check isn't in the mail, whenever thing isn't going good, we have to know and have a confidence that even though we don't understand, he is still good. God he is still worthy of my praise he is still worthy of my worship he is still worthy of my life and I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth Job starts telling God all of his woes and God listened to it for a little while and then he <laughs> tells Job, he says, that's enough. That's enough. He said, where were you when I put the stars in place? Where were you when I cupped up the ocean with the palm of my hand? He said, in other words, he said, I know it looks bad on you right now, but I know what I'm doing. Amen. I know what I'm doing. Our problem is not what is going on. Our problem is our momentum is not going in the right direction. And let me say it like this. Our energy is in complaining instead of in praising. Our energy is in looking for the negative instead of believing God for the good. Our energy is going in the wrong direction instead of in the right direction. If we would put half as much energy into praising as we do complaining, all of our energy would shift toward the things of God. God wants you to have victory, but he wants you to order the victory. He wants you to get in alignment. He wants me to get in alignment with his will, his way, his wants, his desires. And when we're willing to give that to the Lord and get in alignment with him and we order the, the victory, God is going to give us the victory. But you've got to get in line with the purpose of God, the vision of God. You've got to get in line with the body of believers. You've got to get in line with the word of God. And if you will order the battle, God will give it to you. Ahab did this. The enemy came back again and said, their God is the God of the mountain, but not the God of the valley. We need to fight them in the valley. <laughs> I 
Now, I never was in a lot of fights whenever I was in school. I had a few, but I didn't go looking for it. But when it came to me, you just sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Amen. All the kids are in the back. But sometimes you just got to stand up to the bully. Amen. I remember the first, I guess you would call it a fight, I was ever in in school. The bullies, Keith. I don't know how long he had been in fifth grade, but I believe he had a beard. He was bullying me on the playground, and I told him, I said, you don't want none of this. I turned and walked off. He grabbed my shoulder and pulled me around, and when I did, I hit him with a right hook, and I knocked him slap out. I didn't go for help, because I was scared to death I'd done killed the joker. I just left him lay there. I know, pray for pastor. But sometimes the bully shows up and you just got to tell him, I ain't moving. I ain't going back. I'm not going to go through all of this again. I'm not going to run from you anymore. Whatever happens is happening, but today we're going to settle this. Amen. So he comes and he, and I made that statement to say this, is if, if there if there is a time in my life where that I go and I come to that place and the boy whips me, he don't have to do it again to prove that he can. Right? But think about the ignorance of the enemy. He says their God is the God of the mountain, but he's not the God of the valley. Right? I got to thinking about that. Why would they think that he's the God of the mountain but not the God of the valley? Could it be, just could it be, that, that the enemy thought that way because of the way that Israel acted when they were in the valley versus the way they acted when they were on the mountaintop? Could it be that they shouted loud while they was in the mountain, but they never shouted so loud while they were in the valley. Maybe they, they attended church when they were on the mountain, but <laughs> didn't attend church when they were going through the valley. Maybe, maybe they rejoiced from the mountaintops, but they couldn't rejoice in the... I don't know, but something caused them to believe that their God was only the God of the mountains. And so now he comes to, the, to, to plant the words of doubt and unbelief in their hearts and causes them to think that their God is only the God of the mountains but not the low place of life. Because you see, when you're between mountaintop experiences, it, it may feel like that, that you're forsaken. It is it, when the process of in-between is the most difficult place you'll ever be in your life. When you have the courage to leave where you've been. When you have the strength to get up from where you are now and say, I'm not going to stay here anymore. And you start towards your promise, but halfway in-between, somewhere in the middle, I promise you, 
you. An enemy is going to show up to try to arrest your faith and cause you to go back to what you're comfortable in. But it is in that place where you have you have left everything that you know, but you have not yet obtained and grabbed hold of the promise that is over your life that the enemy will come and try to tell you that your God is not faithful, that your God is not going to be able to do it, that you're not, I know you've made it before, but you're not going to make it this time. And my faith is has to be more visible in that situation when I don't feel anything. I'm not rejoicing, but I know my Redeemer does live. I know that his word is true. I know his promise is good for my life. Amen. Have you ever experienced God in a low place? Have you ever experienced his glory in the darkest day of your life? But his presence and his love come rushing into your situation and you knew that he was more than a God of a mountain but he was a God of the lowest place of despair of your life but his word would find you there and would move upon your life because they obeyed the first word that God gave them now comes another word most of the time I can only speak for myself because I know some people God tells them what to do for their whole life. It's amazing, and I'm glad for them. But most of the time in my experiences, God doesn't give you all the directions all at one time for the problem that you're dealing with. But it gives you one word. And when you're obedient to that one word, it'll take you to a place your faith starts moving forward. You start building momentum and that one word will move you forward. And when you get to that place that that word, that preceding word brings you to, then God will give you another word. Has anybody ever had that happen? That God will give you another word that will cause you to go into the place. It'll move you forward. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth, that ongoing word, right? That ongoing word that he gives you a word for this season to take you out and bring you out. And when you are faithful and obedient and obeying that word, that one word, the momentum will begin to shift in your favor. It'll take you to a place and at that place of obedience, God gives you another word that takes you further into the promise. Now the momentum picks up. Now the momentum begins to shift, right? You walking with me? I'm still here in the book. And the Bible says that, that they go into this place and the momentum has shifted. Benadad says, I'm coming after everything you got. Ha, 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 ha. Taking your wife, I'm taking your children, I'm taking your silver, your gold, I'm taking everything of value. He said, if it's important to you, I'm taking it away. But now the momentum is shifted because of this word has come, right? And the word of the Lord, they obey the word of the Lord and now it moves them forward and they're moving into the provision, the promises of God. And the Bible says that they rose up and they slew a hundred thousand soldiers in one day. Wow. That's a lot of people. 
A hundred thousand soldiers are killed in one day. Now, they didn't have machine guns. They didn't have Scud missiles. We're talking about hand-to-hand combat and a hundred thousand people lay dead. It's a massacre. 27,000 of them run back to their city. And I can see them saying, leaning up against the wall, saying, Phew, we made it back. And the wall falls over. Right? How many think that's just a coincidence? You remember when I told you when momentum starts last week, I said whenever, you know, to use the scenario of a football team, when they make one good choice, when they make one good play, and all of a sudden momentum shifts, and, the, and they get the right, the ball bounces the right way, they call play after play right, the, the refs rule in their favor, and that momentum started shifting. They slide because a wall falls over. Huh? Where's been a dad? He ain't out there with his chest stuck out no more. He ain't out there hurling words that they have in Israel saying, I'm about to come and get everything you've got. He's running for the bunker. He's hiding in the inner, inner courts. He's, he's, he's fearful. He's afraid of what's going on. I want to tell you today that your enemy, he will, he will harass you. He will try to bring it against you as long as you'll put up with it. But you've got to get a word from the Lord. And when you get a word from the Lord and you begin to obey that one word over your life, I promise you, it'll shift the momentum in your life to cause it to begin to go forward. Your faith will begin to go forward. You'll begin to believe the report of the Lord. And that's what Israel did. And they slew these Hundred thousand, twenty thousand, seven thousand. God takes care of the enemy. Is now running for a bunker, and I'm telling you today that the enemy of your soul. Whenever you believe the report of the Lord, have faith in your God, it'll begin to move something on the inside of you that He will know that I'm not going to mess with this anymore because they believe the report of the Lord. They believe in their God. They have strength that is not of their own, but they have the strength of the Holy Spirit abiding in them amen now there's no fight left in their enemy right there's no fight left in their enemy and their enemy isn't bragging anymore they're pleading they're saying please have mercy so maybe if we would put sackcloth on and put a rope around our head. Maybe, maybe Ahab will have mercy on us. And Benadad sends word and says, please let me live. Right? Please let me live. And he goes over and talks to Ahab and Ahab makes a bad mistake. made the same mistake that others had made in the past. 
But he says to him, he, Ahab pleads with him and says, please let me live. And he, he begins to talk about generational blessing. And he says that, that if you will let me live, then I will give you the cities back that my father took from your father. And, and it'll be restored back to you. And you can set up camp there. You can begin to sell there. You can begin to do there. Again, what you need to do. But I want to talk to you spiritually today and say to you from a spiritual standpoint that, that he should have never let Benadad live. You, you allow your enemy to get a breath. You allow your enemy to, to regain his composure and his strength and his ability. You're going to have to fight him another day. And that's exactly what happened. But I want you to know that when you have the enemy down, God never said for you to just let them go. You need to destroy that enemy. You need to take the head off of that Goliath. You need to take it out and destroy it, praise God. Because they said, well, what was he getting anyways by letting him live? He said, I'll, I'll do this for you. How, how can, if you are in a mess and now you're pleading for your life, you don't have no right to tell me if I'm going to set up a, a business in the city or not. Bless God, I'll go over there. I'll set up the business because I have the strength and the ability to do so. What was he going to gain by letting him live? If he killed him, he'd have took every city there was. There's no say so in it. So he made a bad mistake. I want to say today... Don't allow your enemy to live another day. But when you have him on the mat, when you have him down, take him totally and completely and annihilate him because that's what he was going to do to you if he ever had the chance. And by God's grace and his strength, destroy that yoke, remove that burden and annihilate your enemy because momentum is on your side. Don't waste your strength another day on this enemy. Don't waste your strength. Don't let him live another day so that he can rise up again just so you'll have to deal with him again. But take him out. <laughs> take him out. In the name of the Lord. Amen. was going to give you another analogy, but I don't think I will. I just want you to know today that it is important where you're headed, what direction you're headed in. If you're back on your heels, anything will knock you down. It'll overcome you. It'll overtake you. But whenever you're pushing forward, even though the enemy comes, if you're pushing in faith, if you're pushing and believing God's word over your life, huh? That's the reason why the anchor has to be the cross. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And you've got to anchor yourself in something that is ahead. You've got to anchor your faith as a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. And so you got to anchor yourself in the faith. You got to anchor yourself in the cross. You got to anchor yourself and believe so that whenever all of hell begins to fall in a war against you, you've got something connected in the front of you and not behind you. Celebrate your victories.
Shake off your defeats, but never live in the past. Amen. Because it'll only cause you to go back and not forward. Glory to God. Amen. Stand with me today.